Hi, I'm Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Teaching your team to give positive and negative feedback in a thoughtful, respectful, and professional manner is key to engagement. When you lay these kinds of ground rules, you avoid defensiveness and attacks, and instead bring everyone together to recognize and act on valuable feedback. Employees feel safe hearing negative feedback when they know it will be delivered thoughtfully, and they feel safe giving negative feedback when they know there won't be repercussions. The key takeaway, with ground rules in place, you can celebrate and embrace negative feedback as we do at Rebel. It leads to the most meaningful change. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Is your startup financially fit? Join 10,000 entrepreneurs across Canada building financial foundations with Intuit QuickBooks. Attend a Startup Foundations workshop online or in a startup community near you and receive a free one-year subscription to QuickBooks Online. Visit www.startupcan.ca forward slash finance today to register. You need to be available when a customer needs to reach you. Business depends on it. Rogers Unison provides the powerful features of a traditional desk phone in a simplified and truly mobile solution. No apps to download and launch. No mobile data usage charges for phone calls. No need to pay for unused landlines or desk phones. And the ability to route incoming calls to whoever's available. No more missed calls. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash unison. Entrepreneurship doesn't have to be tough when it's cooked right. Co-founder of Relish Gourmet Burgers serves up well-done recipes for startup success. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. Look, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, the Startup Canada podcast show, and we have got a very epic conversation about to happen. And so epic, I really want you to lean in, grab a pen and paper, because 
because there's going to be details associated with this conversation that you're you're going to want to capture in notes that you can go back to a little later on. And we're just honored to have Rick Rennie in as our special guest today. Rick heads MasterCard's Customer Fraud Management Group and leads their safety and security efforts in Canada, working closely with issuing and acquiring banks and other stakeholders in their fraud prevention and detection activities. This includes monitoring global security trends and identifying fraud control opportunities, including the use of MasterCard's industry-leading fraud management and authentication products. Rick is here today to talk about how card fraud affects small business. That's you folks. He's going to speak about how entrepreneurs need to be aware of risk while making sure they do not fall victim to card fraud, scams, or cybersecurity threats. Rick, it's just awesome to have you on the show today. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be here. We appreciate the invitation. Yeah, so let's get started right from the beginning. You know, why are you where you are today? What what made you interested in pursuing fraud management? Because in the schools that I went to, there was not a class around fraud management. And I'm talking about junior high, high school, and so on. What got you interested in pursuing fraud management? Uh, well, it's been a very long journey. Um, it, and as you say, I certainly didn't start out in any way, shape, or form saying, you know, fraud management would ultimately ultimately be my career. In fact, right. I started off many years ago at one of the large Canadian banks um, as a management trainee and, you know, moved from retail banking side into head office operations. And, I, and you know, the big banks are a great place to work because you can literally have many different careers under the same roof. Um, and right. at one point, I, trans, I took a transfer into the bank's card division to, uh, you know, work on a major project that was uh, about to roll out. And uh, as often happens in life, that major project uh, got canceled literally a couple of weeks after I moved over. And oh, nice. ironically, the fraud management opportunity just kind of presented itself. It, it, it you know, just appeared at exactly the right time. Um, and you know, it was it was fantastic for me. Uh, you know, I it, it matched well with my operational skill set from you know all the different banking operations things I had done. Um, and there, I managed a very sophisticated card fraud management group. Uh, I was there probably doing that for about seven years, and then uh, you know I, I knew the folks at Mastercard. They recruited me, uh, so I'm now at Mastercard Canada, and I head up the Canadian fraud management function, as you mentioned. One other thing I wanted to mention, uh, just about me personally, um, sure. you know, during that, you know, it was many years in banking, uh, I did a one-year stint where I left and I tried my, my hand, like many people do in a small business venture. Um, it turned out that it wasn't the work or the lifestyle for me, but uh, my ex-partner is still in the business and has been very successful. Uh, and as a result of that experience, I have a lifelong respect for entrepreneurs, uh, nice. certainly for the work they do, the sacrifice they make and you know the value that they bring for sure yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that, Rick. And, you know, I always say, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of born with a focus for what you want to be in life. And it's it's great that we all don't want to be police officers or fire firemen and women. We we just find a path and it takes a ultimately a, a team, a village to make it work. And we need guys like you pursuing fraud management as a career because it's definitely a, a critical piece of success for us as entrepreneurs. So, yeah, and, so and it's, uh, and it's, a, it's a lot 
cooler than it sounds as well. I'll throw that out there. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of cool. No doubt about it. <laughs> Look, what are the numbers or stats behind entrepreneurs affected by card fraud? And, you know, maybe they don't think it affects their startups, but uh, uh, yeah, t- talk to us about that, that piece because sure. the numbers sure. are there, but as a startup, you say, oh, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, you know, the specific sort of threat levels for each uh, challenge, if you will, uh, you know, I'll speak to those a little bit later as we go through the topics. But I mean, in general, one of the things that I would state very clearly is that when you're selling to the broader public, the more resellable, whatever that product is, the greater the chances that you could experience fraud, right? I mean, Mm. it's supply and demand. Um, And that goes for companies of all sizes. But in particular, I would say for startups or entrepreneurs who, let's face it, aren't fraud management experts. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. they're interested in selling their products and services. And as a result, they become and can become targets for fraudsters because, you know, fraud management obviously isn't their prime focus. Right on. Um, So what are the different types of fraud that often affects startups on their, uh, their journey? So, you know, if I'm starting a business in the first five years, give me the top two, three things that, uh, that are the types of fraud that we need to be focused in on. Yeah, I think I'll probably mainly focus on two in this portion. Um, okay. So entrepreneurs, I would say, uh, are, are going to, uh, you know, be affected in a couple of ways. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're either using your own personal card or a small business card uh, to make uh-huh. purchases for your business, right? So that's one way you could experience fraud. The other way is, you know, when you get to the stage where you're trying to sell things and you want to accept cards for payment of those products or services, um, and they but they are very different scenarios. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of describe them in two different chunks. Um, awesome. So the, fir- so the first thing, you know, when it comes to small business uh, using a personal or a small business card for their own purchases, uh, the main thing we always point out is that the cardholders are protected by MasterCard's zero liability policy. And, you know, that's the thing that everybody knows about. And basically, it means that you won't be held responsible for unauthorized use if, one, you know, you use reasonable care and safeguarding your card and PIN, and two, you report the matter to your card issuer as soon as it's lost or stolen, or as soon as you discover that there are disputed transactions. Um, mm-hmm. But in the purchasing space, even even you know with zero liability, you still need to be, be aware of threats. Uh, so the main thing I would say is you know secure possession of your card at all times, including not sharing your PIN. And you know unfortunately, the one thing I would point out is that oftentimes fellow employees or even family members uh, are sometimes the cause of fraud. Um, so you know in those cases, please use appropriate care. Um, the good news, you know, in Canada, you know, we've had chip and pin for many years now, starting in 2006. Right. It's reduced a great deal of the card fraud in Canada, certainly in the face-to-face space. However, you know, the unauthorized use of your account number and your expiry date is still a significant concern when it comes to online purchases. So, mm. like your physical card. You know, we, we, you know, basically implore people don't share that information, including the three digit um, security code, uh, in our case known as the CVC2, on the back of your card. So this, you know, leads into the second uh, topic, which is, you know, what happens when you begin to accept cards? 
um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the purchase of goods or services that you are selling. Um, and, you know, in that space, there are many different options available to accept MasterCard, you know, or we'll, we'll acknowledge that there are other brands out there. So if you're accepting MasterCard or other brands, um, but for sure, you know, your best bet is to approach, uh, you know, one of our banks or one of our processors. They'll assess your needs. They'll make you aware of whatever the range of options are that could be applicable for you. And most importantly, they'll get you set up appropriately. So MasterCard is the brand, but, you know, they are very much our customers and our franchisees out there who are making the system work. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you do set up a face-to-face retail environment, uh, certainly you could be or, and probably would be outfitted with a point-of-sale device uh, to allow you to do chip-and-pin transactions. And quite frankly, again, if you follow, uh, you know, the related card acceptance procedures, which, you know, normally literally mean just following the prompts on the terminal, whatever it tells you to do, uh, then typically you're protected from any fraudulent activity, you know, that could occur with the cards, uh, you know, used in, in your store or, you know, place of business. Uh, but again, directing you back to the bank, to your bank or to your processor for all the details. Um, the one thing I will point out, though, is if you do, uh, you know, as m- many or most people are doing, uh, get into online or digital sales, the conditions are very different. Um, you know, purchase or purchases rather are often made with just that card information. And as we know, you know, a chip and pin transaction is literally a computer talking to another computer. Uh, in mm-hmm. the case of an online transaction, just using data, uh, it obviously right. doesn't have the same, you know, strong authentication capability as a chip and pin transaction. So mm-hmm. therefore, generally, and here's a very key point, uh, I'll explain an exception later, the responsibility for any fraud liability is with the merchant. Right. So in the face to face space, chip and pin fraud liability is with the card issuer Uh, in the in the card not present space. Typically, it's with the merchant. So that means that if you do do online or digital sales uh, or even if you accept orders over the phone, you should definitely take additional steps uh, to validate those transactions. And what would those be? I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, off the top, I mentioned, you know, there is an exception uh, for merchants to avoid the fraud liability for online transactions. And, you know, this needs to be discussed thoroughly, again, with your bank or processor. We'll always refer back to them. Um, but basically what you're doing is setting up an authentication service called MasterCard Secure Code. Um, that's the brand name today. We're in the midst of upgrading and improving the program. It will be called in the near future MasterCard Identity Check. The program today is called MasterCard Secure Code. And what yes. the service does, um, it introduces an extra step in the transaction flows and allows the card issuing bank to do an additional validation um, of the online purchase. So. You know, this step, rather, this step often happens in the background and it's unknown to the cardholder and the merchant, but sometimes it might require additional uh, validation by the cardholder. So that will become part of the flow. But the good news, excuse me, is as a result, uh, if the transaction passes, then the card issuer is responsible for any fraud uh, claim that might occur on that transaction. Oh, interesting. Okay. Very, very cool. Regardless, though, of whether you use secure code, um, and for certain if you do not, 
uh, you know, in the e-commerce space, uh, card not present space, whatever you want to call it, there are other best practices that you should definitely follow in accepting, you know, purchases. Uh, so online or over the phone. And really the key objective in this space is to identify risky orders. Um, yes. And there are many different approaches. I'm just going to highlight a few of the key ones. Love it. Yeah, go for it, please. Okay, so um, the first one, and some of these are probably well known to, you know, to your listeners, but accept and validate, you know, the three-digit security code or CVC2 mm-hmm. on the back of the card, right, as well as something called address verification service. It's also known as by its acronym AVS. And together, you know, these are values that fraudsters, you know, sometimes will have, but, you know, oftentimes will not have. So together, you know, this information will give you greater comfort you are dealing with the legitimate cardholder. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I mentioned there are many different best practices, but for those literally starting out, I would say simple things like putting, so you, have, you know, you're starting off with a website and you're selling, you know, a limited range of products. Even so, put limits on your site as to the number of purchases that can be made in a day or in some period of time, uh, and mm-hmm. including the total number of transactions that can happen. Because fraudsters, when they hit, they tend to attack quickly, right? They'll do mm-hmm. a lot uh, with very high velocity. Be cautious of anything that's unusual, um, and, and there's a range of things. So the size of the makeup of the order, uh, you have orders coming from unexpected countries. You know, you're doing business selling, you know, widgets in Toronto, and suddenly you're getting, you know, orders from Uzbekistan or something. Um, you know, differences in ship to locations. Again, you know, it's uh, the order is coming from Toronto and they're asking you to ship it to, you know, Mongolia or something. Uh, unusual mm-hmm. order time. Somebody's, you know, uh, you know, ordering in uh, local orders after midnight or whatever. Not to say they can't mm-hmm. be legitimate, but, you know, as the saying right. goes, if it seems to be too good to be true, it usually is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's right. definitely a common theme when it comes to online, uh, you know, or, uh, or rather or phone order sales. Um, the other thing I'll mention, though, is as you get um, more sophisticated, as the volume grows, um, there are there are other tools. You know, they're a little bit more expensive, but there are other tools available. You know, to help you reduce. One of the key things from an operational perspective is to reduce the number of manual reviews of your orders that you need to do. Um, so things like device and geolocation tracking are critical and are used by everyone who's, you know, uh, even reasonably large in the market. And what these tools do is they're intended to help you build profiles really of the devices that are typically being used by your recurring customers. And they're also helping match the claimed source of your order uh, to the actual source uh, via the internet. These are, like I mentioned, major tools uh, used in the fight against online fraud. Um, there are many other tools in development, um, you know, and certainly one of the main ones that MasterCard is involved in. Uh, you know, we have a, uh, a product and a process, I'll call it, called MasterPass Wallet. Um, and it will ultimately create a chip and pin type authentication uh, environment in the online space and the digital space. Um, but in 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 the meantime, uh, you know there still are many other higher risk transactions that you've got to contend with. All of those ones are coming in via browsers, you know, with just an account number and expiry mm. date. So you know the, the rule of thumb again is always whoever you know your bank or your processor is check with them for full details. 
Rick, I got to ask you a personal question. Can I do that? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> it's your right to say no to it at the end of it. But I got to think that when you're watching a movie that includes bank fraud, wiretapping, espionage, or whatever, you're the type of guy I don't want to be with because you're challenging the movie all the way along. So, oh, that doesn't make sense. And this is how yeah. they're doing that. And so do you yeah. find yourself so engaged yeah. in those movies? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I would say, number one, A, that is correct. But B, <laughs> I, I would say anyone who's in any business, um, you know, when they see that depicted in a movie or a television show, you know, you can yeah. pick holes in it like crazy. I'm sure, sure. You know, the same thing yeah. when, when you see a movie about podcasts, uh, yes. you're, you're critiquing it upside down and backwards, <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well I, I, well, I come from the, 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 the world when there was a show called L.A. Law. And oh, yeah. uh, I remember going to, you remember that show? Oh, yeah. And my mm -hmm. buddy, it was, he, was, he was a lawyer, he was becoming a lawyer, and he would sit there and just pick this thing apart. Yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking, man, oh, man. Yeah. So, so, it's you know, an occupational, uh, occupational hazard, sorry. <laughs> It is indeed, and it is indeed, but uh, well, that's great stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints, from original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Scotiabank understands what's involved when businesses first open their doors and the support that's needed to keep them open. They are helping customers respond to the speed of business, making it easier for entrepreneurs to open their accounts and apply for business loans online in minutes. To learn more, visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business. Thank you to our sponsors, and we are back. You know, part of uh, part of the success of a, a branding exercise when it comes to startups is telling stories. And we'd love if you could share with us. And I appreciate there's confidentiality and names and all that kind of stuff. But could you could you share with us some some way out there scams that have been tried that you say, I can't believe one, they tried it or two, they got away with it as kind of the, as to how far and broad you know, fraud can be in the world that you live in. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's a, you know, we're always careful about that because, you know, even though bad things happen, um, you know, there are good people out there who are trying to stop them from happening. And, you know, certainly we try to put the positive spin whenever possible. Um, but, uh -huh. you know, I think I think the main thing I would say about fraudsters are, uh, you know, they are literally doing this as a full time job. Right. So mm -hmm. even though they don't may not work officially for a living, they're sitting around 24 hours a day, seven days a week, thinking up ways to scam people. And the reality is 
they're pretty good at it, right? And and they mm. do it by um, by sheer brute force, right? So you know they will try everything, and they will continue and continue, you know, to hone their processes until they get them right. You know that's particularly right. the case in the world of scams, and you know we see examples, you know, around the world. You know, you've got you know some markets where there's have you know large unemployed populations, and unfortunately, you know those people are, <clears throat> you know, they're sitting duck or not sitting ducks there you know, their prime territory to be used by fraudsters for bad things. So, you right, know, I, right. I, I don't want to give you any really scary scams, but, you know, that the, the, the main point I would make is that these guys are unfortunately very good at what they do. And if they put all of that brain power and that determination to work in a good way, you know, yeah. I think lots of good things could happen. Ultimately, you're reinforcing it is that the the threat of, of is very, very real and very, very intense. Oh, once we get into the cybersecurity stuff, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll share a little bit more for sure. I love having you on my podcast. You just lead me right along. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that, my friend. What are some of the cybersecurity business threats and costs that uh, our listeners are uh, would face are facing? Um. Well, the I, I mean, I've I've covered off a few of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, you know, what, one of the things that I you know kind of wanted to insert into the conversation is you know what Mastercard and our um, our customers are doing in this space, and we think there's you know a great deal of good that's happening. Um, Fair so enough. you know, for one, um, you know, fraud management. Uh, is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week activity, um, and, and there's lots of it going on. So MasterCard, for example, operates a global safety net, and it's monitoring fraud activity at the network level. Our individual you know, MasterCard-issuing banks are also doing fraud monitoring 24-7. They're, they're you know, focusing on their portfolios, um, and quite honestly, this is how the vast majority of fraud gets detected, right? It's detected by very sophisticated Uh. systems. You know, they're trained to identify known fraud patterns. Um, You know, they adjust quickly. Uh, You know, new rules are put in place when the patterns are identified and change. Um, And, you know, sometimes those systems are so good that they will detect and block on the very first transaction. Uh, but, you know, not surprisingly, oftentimes it takes one or a couple of transactions to occur before the activity is halted. Um, MasterCard overall, globally, um, is responsible for, you know, all of the underlying rules and programs uh, for managing fraud in our universe. Uh, and, you know, we also have a suite of fraud products and services that we market to our customers. Right, right. Would, would you, uh, you know, what do you say to somebody that's running a, 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 a restaurant, it's a single restaurant, who says, I don't need to be concerned about uh, cybersecurity threats, concerns about fraud, you know, they're after the banks, they're after the, you know, the Department of Defense, uh, government, all that sort of stuff. What do you, what do you say to somebody that's thinking that who, who's in that startup world, that, that, that stuff's not for me? Well, I mean, off the top, um, you know, much of what happens with hacking um, is it's a crime of opportunity, right? So you've got um, automated systems set up by hackers that are trolling constantly the internet. And, you know, what these hackers are doing is they're probing and they're trying to find open back doors. So anything with an internet connection is fair game. 
Um, you know, cybersecurity in general is a topic that's frequently mentioned in the media. Uh, unfortunately, all businesses, I would say, are at risk of being attacked. And as you can tell from the headlines, literally all businesses are being attacked, including governments. Um, right. yep. You know, payment card data, you know, was, was one of the original targets of hackers going back to the sort of mid-90s. Uh, you know, it's been a substantial, you know, it's it's got substantial market value, rather. Um, but by no means is that the only threat as a small business owner that you face. So, for example, um, hackers could steal customer information. Hackers could steal personal information about you or your employees. Uh, they could steal your business plans and financial statements. It, critically importantly, they could steal intellectual property. In fact, they could steal anything that's of value on your computer or on your servers. Um, and, you know, there are definitely common myths, uh, you know, that entrepreneurs, I think, use when it comes to cybersecurity. Some of them would be stuff like, you know, oh, I'm too small to be a target of hackers mm-hmm. or, you know, I'll know if something happens, I'll detect it. Uh, or, you know, the worst one is I can't afford to implement, um, you know, prevention measures for cybersecurity attacks. Uh, but, you know, quite honestly, in my opinion, you cannot afford not to. Because um, if you're on the receiving end of a hack and all you got to do is look at what's happened to some of the big institutions, you know, particularly in the United States that have been targets, you know, the, that hacking exercise can take a giant bite out of either your finances, you know, and or your reputation and quite frankly, possibly put you out of business. Yeah. I, look, and I, I think what's important in this conversation is that you're not you're not here to give a story of being scared for the sake of, you know, watch out. You're here. This is this is a protection conversation that we're having here so that you can do business in a way that looks after yourself. So you can do business in a way that keeps you focused on what moves your business forward versus having to react to these threats that might come through. And I think there's a there's a there's a, there's a key delineation line here we're talking about about protection, not necessarily you've got to be scared all the time. No, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a perfect segue. Um, you know, as, as far as as far as we're concerned, there absolutely are things that you can do to protect yourself. As with anything, it takes some effort to do that, though, and it takes right. you know, obviously some knowledge. And that's really, you know, you know, great that you're having a session like this. So, you know, if there are hopefully some nuggets that your listeners are not aware of, and if it helps them, uh, you know, that's that's made it all worthwhile. Um, so, right. I, I've got you know a range of best practices, and this is where kind of get your pen out. Um, yeah, you know, that, that I want to that I want to go through. Now, interestingly, and I'll, I'll mention, first of all, I'll mention one quick thing. One of the things, you know, that in the industry uh, often gets a negative reaction is something called PCI. So PCI stands for, uh, it stands for many things, but it stands for the Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards. So these were standards that were developed by the card industry collectively starting in the late 90s, you know, around 2000, and they're constantly being updated. And admittedly, they started off as a way to, you know, help ensure or protect uh, payment card data. But quite frankly, these are ISO-based standards, security standards, and they contain the same measures that, you know, any small business person or even large business needs to protect themselves from hackers generally, right? So, so this was right. actually, uh, you know, foreshadowing for problems that would come down the line and, and doing these things actually is going to still help everybody. 
Love it. So uh, I'm just going to switch documents here. I'm just going to make reference to yeah. some of my notes here. I'll go through this stuff. Awesome. So, yeah, so please do. This is important, the, guys. Yeah. So the first one is, you know, so again, if you're in, if you have a payment system, if you're accepting card payments, uh, you know, we're certainly interested in that, that area of focus. You know, one of the main differentiators in small business you know, as to complexity is how you're structured and what types of transactions you're taking. So I would say, you know, a lower risk environment for sure would be, you know, if you're a retail operation and all you have is a standalone pen pad that was leased from your, you know, acquirer and you have no internet connection, that's very low risk and probably is safe. Higher risk, though, is if you are running a virtual terminal and you've got internet connections and you're processing, you know, online payments uh, via that, uh, you know, via that, uh, that uh, server. And, you know, some of the things that we'll mention later on will become more relevant. The second okay. thing, I mean, everyone hates this one, uh, but it's necessary, unfortunately, until we come up with a better solution. And that is use strong passwords and change default passwords. Um, you know, everybody, uh, you know, one of the things that's been happening in Canada lately is data, you know, so so people who, you know, sign up for services uh, with big entities that get hacked oftentimes use their, uh, you know, their regular email address and they use, you know, password that may or may not be common to them, but they may use right. that at multiple locations. The problem is if that data gets hacked, then the fraudsters turn around and they go to 20 other entities and they go, Oh, I'll try that logon ID password combination. Some percentage of the time it works, right? And so that's, you know, that, that's basically advertising for saying use, even if you're using the same logon ID, you know, which is your email, please always use a different password. Um, you know, make them as hard to guess as possible. You know, the whole like concept of using uh, passwords with, you know, uh, you know, unusual symbols or, you know, higher, lower case. So it's painful, but for your more secure things, please, you know, definitely do that. And like I said, individual passwords. You know, one of the things that, you know, we often say is, you know, if you're storing information in the cloud with just a password, almost like prepare for that data to be uh, stolen or compromised at some time. If that cloud operation offers some kind of two-factor authentication, you know, my my sincere plea to everyone is please do that. Okay. So that's, that's all I'll say about passwords. Um, next topic is, um, again, if you have, you know, this jumps around a little bit, this is, you know, a problem that knock on wood is almost, you know, being eliminated in Canada. But if you have point of sale equipment, you know, historically in Canada, we've had a lot of serious problems with POS terminal tampering, uh, you know, where the fraudsters are tampering with terminals and capturing data. So if you have a POS device, you know, inspect that terminal and just look for signs of tampering. Again, if you talk to your processor, they'll give you more information. I'll just mention that. Another, you know, a critically important one, uh, depending, uh, you know, on, on how how many different vendors you might have uh, or how many different software uh, systems that you employ. But if a patch is available, and, and usually they're for security reasons because of vulnerabilities, always install those patches. Um, right. You know, it's, it's a critical, important element, especially for e-commerce merchants. Um, but, you know, really an unpatched, uh, or vulnerable code, uh, you know, is one of the two most common ways that hackers successfully attack businesses. Um, 
you know, everybody in business eventually winds up using partners, uh, oftentimes to provide, you know, services or, uh, you know, say software services to you, you know, basically try to use trusted business partners uh, and certainly know how to contact them in the event of an emergency. Not saying that you can't use somebody, you know, you just kind of met off of the internet, but uh, always a good idea to do some investigation to make sure that it's, it's legitimate. But, you know, have, have that list of service providers um, handy and know, you know, who they are and how to contact them in the event of an emergency. Um, okay. For, Love it. You know, for, for larger or more complex environments, and this again may not be all of your you know your listeners, but you know protect your in-house access to data. So this, you know, unfortunately sometimes the fraudsters, the hackers are in our midst, right? They're our own employees. So the main rule of thumb there of, of thumb there is if you've got multiple you know employees and you've got uh, a partitioned environment. Make sure that the people have access only to uh, the areas that they need to have access to to do their work. So, you know, if you've got an employee who's you know running cash for you and they need to do some administrative functions, make sure they've only got that and they don't have access, you know, in general to to everything. Um, it, this is a critical one again if you're using third parties. Uh, and those third parties are providing services to you remotely, right? So they might be logging into your server remotely. This is the number one means of hacking that's been going on in the United States where most of the hacking is occurring. It's happening in Canada as well. It doesn't get publicized. This is the number one source of the problem for the past probably three, four, five years perhaps. And that is um, ensure that any remote access into your servers uh, is as controlled as possible, right? So if there was some kind of a default password on it, change it, disable it if it's not required, uh, and insist that those service providers use multi-factor authentication to get in. Uh, in some cases, you'll find them, you know, they're servicing 100 or 1,000 different merchants, and it's easier for them to have, for the same reason we talked about passwords and access, it's easier for them to have the same password, but the problem is if the hackers get into one of those systems, they just got into a 1,000 of them if the passwords are all yeah, the same. Yeah. Right that, that that was a critical one, okay? Another one that's yes, a sir. critical one, it's painful as well, but, you know, and it's because it might slow your system down, but definitely use antivirus software. Unfortunately, we live in a malware-infested world. Uh, you know, there's nothing we're going to do about that in the short term, but make sure that you're using antivirus software. Same thing, make sure the updates are set to, to update automatically on a regular basis. Run full uh -huh. scans regularly, especially of your business environment. You know, you can use third parties to run scans to try to penetrate your network. Again, not, you know, it's still money well spent, absolutely, if you do that. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I was speaking with um, an FBI agent a couple of months ago, uh, you know, who's heavily involved in the United States in some of the uh, investigations, and he was telling me that, you know, ransomware in the U.S., and I'm sure, I, I know it's a problem in Canada, but in the U.S., it's like almost like epidemic proportions. So, Basically, wow. that's where the fraudster hacks into your system. You know, it's probably as a result of a phishing or a, a spear phishing activity. And I'll just actually has, stop for a second and focus on that. So that, that situation is if um, you receive an email, uh, you know, it's either a random attempt or it's a targeted attempt. You know, the latter is the one referred to as spear phishing. And there's an attachment or there's 
um, a, a, an embedded, um, uh, you know, um, uh, link to a website, or even there's a 1-800 number to call. If you don't recognize that sender, and sometimes even if you do recognize that sender, if it feels a little bit, you know, uncomfortable, it's never wrong to send a separate email to that person and say, hey, did you really just send yeah. me this referral to a yeah. dating website? Because yeah. oftentimes if someone else is hacked, <laughs> it'll come to you that way. But, you know, right. again, the reason I mentioned phishing is that's the number one source of ransomware, um, you know, where somebody gets an email, uh, there's, you know, many, many scams. And this actually, I, I hate to admit it, this happened to my son where his, you know, laptop was basically locked down all the files on it, all of his personal files, all of his music, all of his photos were encrypted. And, you know, basically we, we refuse to pay because you still don't know when you pay if it's even going to be unencrypted. Yeah, The moral there is use antivirus software, be your own antivirus, you know, firewall frontline. And of all things, if you've got critical files, back them up on a regular basis. This goes for business cool. and personal. Anything you can't live without, back it up because if you don't there's you know there's always a chance you could lose it you know what this is this is becoming is the proverbial simple thing look both ways before you cross the street it's just a part of living now backing up everything uh, as you move along and i appreciate the list i know it it's it it seems like a lot but it's important every single piece of it and i appreciate the time going through that does does mastercard have a a, a site that that our audience could go to to get that list you just talked about or reference points around it well i mean that that list uh i'm sorry i don't have it with me right now but um the it's actually um you know that deck is on, and I don't know if you have a website, I could provide that to you, but it's on the payment card industry, uh, uh, the PCI website, right? Again, that's the, it's the, the, the industry body. And if you look for okay. small business, they have an excellent site there that talks about small business protections, and all of these things are mentioned there. Love it. Love it. So what I would recommend to our audience, obviously, one is um, listen to this podcast show again, because there was a lot of awesome information there, but every little morsel of it is critically important. And two is to respect the information that's coming your way. And uh, and Rick, I, I can't thank you enough for, for being on the podcast show today. It's been a, a, a very in-depth conversation, very relevant, and you've kept some of the dry stuff actually very very interesting yeah. so you did a you did a great job sir and uh, and thank you to you and, and mastercard for giving us your time today it's uh, it's been great to have you on the show that's great could i if i could just get one quick plug in um, Absolutely, i mentioned sir. I, I mentioned you know our small business cards you know so if anybody's interested in that or you know small business as a general topic you know we have a site called uh, mastercardbiz.ca so it's literally mastercardbiz.ca and quite yes. honestly it's a it's an excellent location it's got great general insights resources and offers for small business owners uh, it's not a security site uh, it's basically just there for you know small business you know, emphasize, you know, small business purposes. Yeah, I love it. And, and, you know, I'm all about supporting those that support us and MasterCard supportive very much in uh, the Startup Canada world and startups. And uh, so MasterCardBiz.ca, I'm going to go check it out. And I think everybody on this call should too. And again, thank you so much for your time. It's been very, very insightful, Rick. 
Yeah, thanks. And, and so the last thing I just wanted to mention was, you know, just like we said off the top, card fraud, and you mentioned it in cybersecurity attacks, they are very scary topics. And, you know, if you follow it, you know, with the passion that you use to build your business um, uh. and, and implement some of these things, they are absolutely manageable risks. Uh, I promise you, you can avoid all of these nasty things. So anyway, thank you very much. Like I said, I'm glad you stopped the close to say that because that's a, I, that's a great way to reference something that's near and dear to entrepreneurs. A focus yeah. on your business. It's just yeah. part of the part of the process of building that strong foundation. So Absolutely. thank you so much for that. All right. Okay. Have a good day. Yeah. Keep on happening. Talk to Thanks, you soon. Bye Thanks now. for happening. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, everybody. This is Eric Apps, co-founder of the Alluvian Professional Law Firm, and you're listening to Startup Canada Podcast. Talk to our audience about disruption in general, and what's what's your advice for entrepreneurs looking to disrupt other industries? So if you take the financial services area in Canada, um, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, financial services is ripe for disruption. There's a lot of companies that are out there uh, already in the tech space, uh, Wealth Simple and others on the advisory side, companies working on payment solutions, mobile, other areas that are that are looking to disrupt traditional industries. If you peel back the hood though and look beneath those, you'll see Borrowwell has got CIBC as an investor. Yes, well, of course. Well, simple as Power Financial behind them. Mm -hmm. So if you're an entrepreneur, disrupt disrupting an industry doesn't mean destroying it, and it doesn't necessarily mean engaging in a hugely competitive uh, fight with the established players. Because in nine and nine. 9.9 out of 10 cases, you're going to lose that battle. Yes. So, so, so have a very uh, good sense of not only you know who you are trying dis to disrupt, but how you are trying to disrupt them, uh, and how you're going to make money uh, uh, doing that.